0: Do please turn with me tonight to Ephesians chapter 4. I thought it would be good as we start an autumn season to remind ourselves of God's central purpose. What is his purpose? If we know and understand and are reminded and have clearly in our minds his central purpose, then surely we will know as believers the purpose that we should be pursuing in our lives, we learn from the Lord God as to his ways. Well, I want to look tonight really at verses 11 down to 16. And the first thing we notice is there is no full stop. This is one long Pauline sentence. I don't know whether you've done this. Try it at home. Can you read through the sentence? Each verse finishes in... Our version with a semicolon or a colon. It's one long sentence, Paul. One long chain of logic, starting in verse 11. And he gave some apostles. Well, Paul is explaining how we shall understand God's central purpose. This chapter is really about Christian unity In the church, unity which is always found in the truth and in Christ alone. You cannot really have unity on any other foundation. It has to be in the truth, God's word, and in Christ. That's the beginning of the chapter. He desires that there would be unity, verse 3. But the second theme that he builds is really about growth the growth of individuals and the growth spiritually and in terms of maturity of his church. And this is built upon Christ himself and of course he equips his church, that's what it says. In verse 11 he gave these particular gifts, apostles and prophets for a time. We don't need apostles today We don't need prophets today, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Those two particular gifts have ceased. Some say there are prophets and apostles today. Of course they come up with things which are contradictory to the word of God. and So we know they are false prophets, because no prophet, true prophet, will ever say a word which is not true. The prophets were to reveal the will of God until the canon of Scripture was complete. Well, he gives evangelists. We have those today. We should all be evangelists. We have pastors, sadly. Not every church has a pastor. And we have teachers. Hopefully each will have a minister teaching the word of God. Well, he then goes on to explain why these gifts are given. We shall look at that. But we learn the purpose of the Lord God is to build his church. To build his church through the equipping and the gifts that he has given to the church. Elsewhere, Paul says in Acts Rather, the writer of the Acts, Luke, says, For in him, Christ, we live and move and have our being. That's our purpose. We don't have a purpose except for Christ. And that's what these verses are going to teach us. Well, it's my conviction in the day and age that we live in, and it's been this way for some time, that the church has lost its way. The church has lost its purpose. There has been a proliferation, not just in ten years, but probably a hundred years, of parachurch organizations. There is a role for some. We have noble parachurch organizations that we support as a church. Missions, publishing houses... But the more they proliferate, one for those that happen to be sportsmen, one for seamen, one for this, one for that, yes, they can have a purpose, but surely this chapter will teach that the church has been gifted and supplied and equipped uniquely to fulfill God's central and glorious purpose. That's what I believe this teaches. Let's go back to the first lesson. The lesson is about unity. If we go back to verse 4, he says there's seven things of which there's only one of. Really, the objective of the church is to make his people one with Christ. Look at what it says. There is to be one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling. There's only one salvation, not many. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Oh, it's not complicated, is it? There's seven exclusive claims that Paul makes. Do you know it's not complicated We don't have many ways. There is one body, one church, the Church International of all times, one spirit that calls people to himself, one call and one hope of your calling and one Lord that we're called into and that we are to grow into. The second point in the chapter and one faith, and one baptism. Well, how will this happen? Of course, there is a process. Individually, we are called. It says so in verse 4. Ye are called in one hope. We're hopeless sinners. We're in the world without Christ. And without hope, it says elsewhere, But then we're called, called out of darkness into light. And we're called by the Spirit, called and awakened. And we come to the one Lord. That's the calling, that's the first step. But there's a problem. We'll look at this shortly. Once we're called and we come to repentance and faith, we reach childhood. It's good to be a child. Children have hope. They have trust. They have faith. They have dependence. Sometimes as adults we lose those things. But there are other aspects of being a child that we need to move away from, and we'll look at that. So we're called out. Initially we're just children, babes with childish characteristics. But then the desire, as we shall see, is that we should grow. We don't want to be children anymore. We want to make progress, to grow in grace. We become adolescents and then, hopefully, adults. Spiritual maturity, that's really the second thrust that we shall see, to grow in grace, to become adults, And then there's the promise that if we set our eyes on the Lord, he will keep us from falling. There will be a mutual partnership. We set our eyes on him, he keeps us from falling. Let's look at the first of these points tonight to do with growth. And I'm going to concentrate on verse 14. Here we see the obstacle to growth. I hope, for everyone that's a child of God tonight, we can say this is what we were. These characteristics in verse 14, they describe what we were like, childish. Maybe there's somebody here tonight. You've not long been a believer. and We want you to move on from childish things. So it's either what we were or what we still are. But if we remain like this, it's an obstacle to growth. Well, before he comes to the positive, Paul mentions the negative. He says, he doesn't want us anymore that we henceforth be no more children. Oh, is that a shame? Well, no. There's a time for childish things. Childish imaginations childish things where we try this and try that. We go here we go there but there's also a time that we need to move on. What's the child like? Verse 14 tossed to and fro like a little toy boat bobbing up and down in the bath at home or perhaps a bigger boat on the sea with the waves tossed To and fro, just washed around, subject to the wind, subject to all the forces that are upon us. We're not in the port, we haven't got an anchor, we're just bobbing up and down. That's what the child is like, tossed to and fro. Something happens in the life, a setback. The disappointment. And we're thrown this way and that way. We're upset. We take on water. The tears flow. They're not necessarily good tears. Tears of self-pity. Why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? We're just tossed about. That's the child, Paul says. We've want henceforth from here on, from this time forward, we don't want to be with these childish characteristics tossed to and fro. Keep your childlike faith, keep your childlike trust, but we don't want to be unstable anymore. We want to be resilient, we want to have firm faith, an anchor for the soul. We want not to be moving up and down. We want to be those who are mature. What happens? Well, he goes on, we're carried about. There's a new fashion, a new trend, a new teaching. This happens in churches. A church has one pastor and then another pastor comes and teaches something entirely different. Every wind of doctrine. Oh no, we're not to have doctrine from the wind. We're to have it from the Word. We're to have God's Word. We're not to be blown about. No, we're not to be carried about with every wind of doctrine. And then he says something else, by the slight of man. Somebody comes, an internet preacher. Somebody asked me the other day, I'm not sure which of this list of internet preachers to listen to. We have to be very careful. There's many that teach things that seem to be good. 98% of what they say is good. But then they say things which are not founded upon God's word. There's a wind of doctrine, a new way. A new thinking, a new innovation. There is nothing new under the sun. The Word of God, the child of God, we should be pursuing the Word of God that does not change. We come, we want the old paths. Ask for the old paths. Don't look for things which are new. We look for the old. The old is proven. We don't need new. When we have the old, which is far more valuable and true, the slight of men, he says another word, the cunning craftiness, this will be a deliberate strategy to take babes, children, to take those who've just come to trust in Christ, to tell them that they can cut corners, to tell them that they can do something which doesn't need graft and trust And learning the word of God, cunning craftiness, they lie in wait to deceive. This is what will happen to children, but it shouldn't. We're to be mature, we're to be grounded, we're to be anchored. Even if we're in a boat and the wind is blowing and we have setbacks and difficulties and bad news, we're to hold on the anchor for our soul. When the bad news comes, as a pastor said last Thursday evening, very helpfully, that's good. It's good. There's an opportunity for me to show my faith. There's an opportunity for me to witness and testimony that I have an anchor for my soul. Every bad news that comes, it's a test of my faith. I don't want to be carried, tossed to and fro, taken aside by somebody that wants to undermine my faith and trap me. That's what it says at the end of verse 14. They lie in wait to deceive and trap me. It's deliberate. These traps are waiting for us. Don't fall into them. No, we don't want to be what we once were just Children, that's what Paul is teaching. This is part of God's purpose. He calls us, we come as babes, so much to learn, so much to progress in the Christian life. But we look back and say, I don't want to be a child anymore. I want to move on. I want to be an adult, spiritually mature. Well, let's look, verse 15. No longer the obstacle to growth, now the pathway to growth. What should we be? How should we be developing? Well, this is a very helpful verse. It may not be immediately obvious what it means. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. Speaking the truth. It could be translated in a slightly different way. Maintaining the truth. Keeping the truth. Upholding the truth. You see, that's the key to maturity. Truth. Truth. Truth is so variable today. People say there is no truth. People want to change the truth. They want a new way, but no, speaking the revealed, consistent, unchanging truth in love, that's the key. If you want spiritual maturity, that's what needs to be maintained and loved and upheld, but it means something slightly more. You've heard me speak about this on previous occasions and It's very much a theme. Speaking the truth means to have integrity, to uphold truth in every department of life. We could say being true. Being true to God, true to his word, upholding it, proclaiming it, loving it, Showing others that we love the truth. It means every word that we say must be consistent with what we believe. Every word that we believe must come from the word of God. A consistent thread, a cable going right through our life. Consistency, that's really what this is about. We are to iron out all the inconsistencies. We're to take them out of our life. We're riddled with inconsistencies. I am. I say one thing and do another. I have one life here and a different life there. Don't we all? Isn't this what Paul is getting at? That we, if we want to be mature, We're not to keep changing. The child changes up and down, left and right, moving around in the water. But we are to uphold and speak and proclaim the truth consistently across every aspect of our life. Let me suggest some things. I've mentioned some of them before. Online and offline. Are we the same? Do we uphold the truth in everything that we're doing? Online? Offline, we're not to promote self. Online, we're not to promote self. We don't uphold selfies in the church. We shouldn't uphold selfies. Online. You see the inconsistencies that come in? What about work and school and church? Two different people. Oh, I have this personality at church, but I've got a different one at work. My friends, if we're like that, it's very difficult. There's an old saying, if you're going to lie, make sure you remember what you've said. Problem is we can't. And we shouldn't lie anyway. You come across people that they lie and lie and lie, and they forget what they've said to different people. Soon the inconsistencies come out. We're not to have any of that. Consistency in every department and place in life. Speaking the truth in love. Family life, public life, what we read, What we watch, what we think about, what we say, what we do, all is to be impregnated with consistency and the truth of God's Word. What we love, what we spend our money on, and what we spend our time on. Do we say one thing, but our choice is elsewhere? Our preoccupations tell a different story. That spiritual maturity is that we shall have that consistency maintained, spoken throughout our lives. No airbrushing, no pretending, no Instagram life, and a different life. Well, go back to verse 13. We see the objective till we all come. I deliberately went to verse 14 and 15 first. You see, here is the objective. In this life, once we're saved, we'll be childish and we need to make progress. We want to become adults, spiritually mature. That's what verse 15 is about. Well, how long will this struggle go on? Will we have some second blessing? we become perfect? No. Till, or we could say until, we all come, that's every believer, not some who are blessed with perfection, some who are not, some who've had some special experience. No. Until, Christ comes again and he brings his church in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Well, this is speaking of two things. Individually, we will be made perfect. But corporately, his church will be made perfect only when it is joined with Christ, its head. Look down at verse 16 just to show you. From whom the whole body, that's us, the church, fitly, appropriately joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, every ligament, every finger, every bone, every vein, every piece of tissue, every eyebrow. That's us. What a motley crew in the church. will be joined together according to the effectual or effective working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. One day, Each one of us will be perfect and we will be joined perfectly. Go back to verse 13. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. We're not yet perfectly joined. We have to regularly come, approach God in fellowship through Christ. But one day, we will be perfectly joined. And it will be a perfect man, a perfect head, a perfect body, his church, joined together. Till we all come, all of his people, in the unity of the faith, And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Well, let's move on by going backwards to verse 12. So what is the glorious purpose that God has? His central purpose. Well, until that day when Christ comes again, he will be calling sinners one by one to himself. They'll be children. They'll grow up, they'll mature. They'll start to speak the truth in love more and more. The inconsistencies will be ironed out. The anchor will hold them fast. In the midst of the storm, what will happen? The church, Christ's church, will be the vehicle through which this work is done What will the church be for? Verse 12, three things are mentioned. For the perfecting of the saints. They won't be made perfect when they come to Christ. They will be legally, they will be positionally in Christ, no longer condemned, but the work of perfecting, it's the continuous present tense the work of perfecting the saints will be through the church, through the preaching of the word, and that church will be equipped, in verse 11, by those who the Lord gives to the church. It will be through his word, through those who are equipped to be pastors and teachers. Of course, the Lord doesn't work only through his church, but he delights to. That's called the body of Christ, his church. So he says, for the perfecting of the saints. Just pause on that word. Saints. Set apart ones. Those who have been made holy legally and now are being made holy in their lives. Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he was called out of an eminent career as a medic. He was 26, 27. He was a high flyer in St. Bart's Hospital in London. For two years he grappled with, am I called to the ministry? After a year he thought he was called and then he put it out of his mind. He went with his wife-to-be One evening for a date, as they call it now, with another couple. He went to the cinema, something that he didn't do much for the rest of his life. He watched some film in the 1920s. And he came out that night in Leicester Square. And he saw a man standing on a box from the Salvation Army, preaching the gospel to the drunkards and the revelers in Leicester Square. And then the band struck up and sung a hymn, and his heart was torn in pieces. He said, these are my people, and tonight I've been in the world. I've been filling my eyes with things that I didn't need to. And from then on, he made a vow to himself that these people, these humble people, singing the word of God, preaching the gospel, these were his people. And he should identify with them, called out saints. These are our people. These should be our people. Perfecting of the saints. That's what the church is for. Secondly, for the work of the ministry. Literally, the teaching and the building up of his people. And then thirdly, for the edifying of the whole body of Christ. That's God's purpose. That's his central purpose expressed in three different ways. Perfecting the saints, making them more and more holy, the work of the ministry, and the building up of his church. The church, which never takes a backward step. No other organization like it. Governments do. Companies do. But the Church of Christ has never yet taken a backward step. A child of God will be called out every day, I believe, until the Lord Jesus comes again. The church will be built up numerically and... Spiritually, how does that happen? Children, becoming adults, spiritually mature, no longer tossed about, speaking the truth consistently in our lives. And then verse 15, the second half, which really sums up it all, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him. The picture is, here's the body, the hands, growing up into the head. Who's the head? Christ. That's what the church is. Called out people, children, becoming adults, growing up into him in all things. That doesn't leave out anything, does it? Heart, mind, life. Everything, which is the head, even Christ. May the Lord help us that we might mature spiritually so that we would be more fit for the Master's use and so that his church will be where he wants to dwell and where he will be delighted to build his church for his glory. Amen.